Welcome to the Sonic Truth Podcast. I'm Scott Simonelli, and what you're about to hear took place live at Advertising Week Europe in London. You're about to hear a really interesting conversation with Patrick Givens, head of VaynerSmart at VaynerMedia. We talked a lot about audio and even more about voice and how it's going to change the way we interact with technology over the next few months and well into the future. Welcome, Patrick. We came all the way from New York to, yeah, to be here. to talk in London. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So maybe just to kick it off, why don't you uh, give us a little bit about what you and what you do and what Vayner does? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, happy to be here today. So VaynerMedia is a full-service digital marketing company. We kind of come out of a heritage in social media, but really today operating across channels and a little bit different than some other agencies in the space in that we're maybe a bit more vertically integrated. So we've got... Uh, kind of your core four services, your creative, your strategy, your production, which you might find sometimes all in-house in one place, but then also media in-house there with the planning and buying side of things. So our goal is really to kind of structure the most efficient process possible. In general, that means nerd nets with more content put out and then a lot faster iteration on that content in market, trying to pay real attention to where the efficiencies are in terms of getting content placed properly. So that's kind of VaynerMedia macro level. And then the team that I look after there is called VaynerSmart. So I came over just over three years ago now and started this new innovations emerging tech practice. And really for us, slightly different than a labs group that you might see at other agencies or something like that, we do some of that sort of innovative work trying to pilot new product development, things like that. Uh, but our real focus is what are the next channels of attention going to be? So if VaynerMedia has come out of this heritage where we had real expertise in the social channels because that was where we saw a lot of consumer attention and frankly where it was underpriced over about the last nine, 10 years of our operations. And then increasingly now we've seen a lot of that shifting toward video and then now into some new emerging audio channels. And then my group comes in and says, okay, what are the next set? And whether that's voice first AI or to the degree we'll overlap with some of our podcast operations, trying to really make that front and center in what we think of as our capabilities and what we can bring our clients to. Oh, exciting. And Veritonic is an audio effectiveness platform. We help brands and audio platforms and agencies you know, measure the effectiveness of audio wherever it lives across their advertising and marketing. So helping brands like Pepsi or Visa understand, is this the right voice or music to use in my ad? Is, uh, you know, if I'm on Spotify or Pandora, you know, is this the right ad to run at the right time for the right person? Um, and, and just basically making sure that audio works um, because good audio creative benefits... Uh, the brand or the advertiser benefits where it's being run. Um, it also benefits the, the user and the consumer. So to that end, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about uh, what you said about audio and kind of those experiences, not to get into audio because, you know, we're the audio people, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately just about, like, smart speakers and podcasts. Like, give us, give us some insight into what you're doing on that, on that front. Sure. So exactly as you said there to start this off, there's a lot of talk about it. And I think... Even it in that sentence is, do we need to start by defining it in most of these cases? <laughs> right. Because it really, it's such a wide open space right now in a really exciting way. There's this huge digital audio landscape and everything we often will try and set up different ways to break it out so you can think about a portion of that that's conversational AI. And it's these virtual assistant platforms that you might access by talking to them suddenly. Your Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, and a number of other smaller ones. And for those, it's about understanding what is the data that's being indexed to then pull back responses. It's about, in some cases, designing experiences, skills on Alexa, actions on Google, that a brand, a publisher, what have you, 
want to have kind of a well-designed response for certain user questions that they're anticipating will be asked more likely. Um, and so in those cases, it's an experience design question, but it's also a branding question. What does that experience actually sound like? I think that what do you sound like in developing a sonic identity kind of comes back across a lot of these. So you've got your conversational AI, half of the, um, kind of half of the ecosystem that we think about. And then the other side, published and streaming audio. So while all of these may exist in audio and it's really not a hard line, you could certainly be streaming channels over a smart speaker. Um, there's another type of thinking, I'd say, from a marketing perspective of where is it that you are either publishing and putting out audio. It's not that you're going to invite an interactive conversation necessarily, but you're doing some recording and putting it out there. Or as a marketer, where are you thinking about appending to some of that other content? More in kind of a, a display version of advertising, but in this case, rather than display, it's appending to whether it's a podcast ad or a streaming audio player. Um, looking across the, the ecosystem there, at what are you trying to achieve? Is it a depth of engagement, interactive conversation, more of a CRM piece, in which case the conversational AI probably makes a lot of sense to focus your efforts there? Or is it maybe a little bit more awareness or some key messaging points landed with what is probably a pretty engaged audience if you're, say, in the podcast space? So do brands kind of come to you and say, I want to have uh, a smart speaker experience? Is that like a starting point? Is that, like, is that a common thing? Or is it, I just want to have, uh, I mean, do you do sonic branding? Like, where does that... Uh, where's that fall? Because, you know, we find it's really interesting. Some people, I think the analog, as we were chatting before we came up here, is, you know, this is the internet in 2001, 2002, and it's hard to imagine what e-commerce was and, and things back then. Here, it's like, well, I want to do, so you see it now at brands, like, I want to do something with audio. Like, I've read a thousand articles about podcasts and smart speakers and streaming and advertising. Like, you know, I know that audio matters, um, and we live in you know a world where it's very visually saturated. And I know nothing's better than than audio at evoking emotions. It's important, but now I want to do something with it. Do they just come to you, just like at the doorstep, like please help me? Like where does it start? It can be all over the map. Sometimes okay. it's I keep hearing about voice. What what does that mean? Right. <laughs> that's a lot of the time. But actually, you mentioned it there, the sonic identity. That's a a common way in for us with our clients, and actually one that I think is really super important. Um, it's kind of hard to think about why it's been overlooked as much as it has for the past 10, 20 years, because prior to that, there was actually probably better defined sonic identity than we have today. And then we've shifted to a lot of mobile-first design principles where we're often reviewing interactive experiences, mobile content, with sound turned off, and it needs to work without headphones in. Um, and so I think we've, to some degree, kind of gotten lazy on that front, on a lot of our sides for branding. So from a sonic identity side, we do get yeah, quite a lot in that space from carving out that positioning, figuring out what alongside under a brand positioning and a visual identity, what is the sound component of that? And way too often it'll actually come up because we're briefed by a brand on something totally unrelated to, uh, they haven't come and asked us for a sonic identity, but they might have briefed us, maybe it is to work on a podcast or maybe it's a video brief and we get this Viz ID guide and there is no definition at all of what you sound like. And that just generates the conversation of what would you want to be sounding like and how can you be intentional about all the sounds you're creating. Now, would you say that's like having a, an audio branding or a sonic branding strategy, uh, would you say that that's foundational? Like before you even start this, like that's something that if you don't have this, you're not doing your job kind of thing? You know, we, fought, we also saw back to the internet. Um, my first company was the, the first A-B testing company online. Um, it was, you know, back then people didn't test content. There was no concept of a dynamic web experience. There was no, it was really easy and cheap to change content and you didn't have to have a testing strategy. Whereas now, like, of course you test your website. You know, of course it's dynamic. Of course you serve different things to different people. Um, I mean, there's, there's kind of this world now where people don't have that strategy when they come. So does that make it 
So do you, do you take a step back and then create that and then go? Or yeah, how does that work? So I think there's a lot of ways into this space as a starting point. So it's hard to, everyone's going to be coming from a different baseline and looking to achieve something different. That said, I think it would always be a fair question to ask of, are you being intentional with the sounds you're creating? And if the answer to that is no, then should you be? And usually I think you net out it yes at the end of that. I think it's an easy analogy to say no brand, I think it's safe to say no brand, would go to their agency and say, we have a logo, but I don't know, do what you want. It might look like a logo, might not. Um, But we say that every day with the sounds that we create as a brand. And so especially now as as this conversation is uh, kind of built around, more and more of the communications of brand are happening from audio first or audio only channels. And obviously I come to this from the vantage point of the emerging spaces. So those voice platforms, et cetera, where you're really committed to what are you going to sound like? What is the interaction design invoice? But it's all delivered through sound. Um, but then podcast, streaming audio, music strategy, voice casting for a brand, all the way down to the actual sounds of if you're a retail or a, if you own a physical space, what is the sound in that environment for digital products? What are the actual wayfinding sounds of your products? All those elements of sounds that we as brands and, and on their behalf, marketers, are putting out all the time, coming up with a plan for how to be intentional about those. It doesn't mean always matching luggage everywhere, but I think it does mean having some intention, being thoughtful of what you're doing where. That is, I'd struggle to think of a situation where it doesn't make sense to define that. That said, we have many clients who come to us not through that lens at all, but instead through, I've been seeing so much about Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa, and what's the right way for me to be the default brand in my category? How do I think about, oh, I keep hearing about voice commerce. How am I going to optimize for that commerce exchange and make sure that my products are rising in category and that I'm promoting them properly? Or maybe it is about designing an interactive skill or an action, and I really want to have a deeper layer to the engagement for my brand in these channels because I'm starting to see these crazy adoption curves and the just people starting to use them, even if not today, for terribly complex interactions yet. We're seeing a lot of usage. It's pretty simplistic. And then if I, as a brand or as a marketer, am there to put up better answers, will people start to get ready to ask those questions? Right. So some of it's obviously tactical. How do I have a presence here? I think some of it um, that we've seen um, both at Veritonic, but certainly anecdotally in my life, like there's a, with my children, you know, it's very audio first. Um, that's the way they do things, especially when they're too young to read uh, and it's too, they don't even think to type. I think the other area we see that's really interesting is you have music, certainly. Um, you have voice and you have functional sounds. So there's a lot of different places where you interact as a brand um, and as you're creating these strategies. And the one that I feel, I mean, music certainly is obvious um, and there's a lot of you know, testing and analytics done there, but voice is is really underserved. It's amazing the data that we see on you know voice and how much it matters based on somebody somebody's kind of opinion of a brand or an opinion of that interaction. Whether it's what the smart speaker says, as from a a sonic standpoint, like what that voice sounds like, yeah. whether it's male, female, has this accent or just has this timbre, um, how authentic it sounds, but also the copy, like you know what it says, right? So these are classic marketing yep. paradigms, right? You know, copy testing, you know, whatever. But like. Voices, it's really amazing, and people use voices in the most just kind of haphazard way. It's like, I, you know, my, my, uh, we see a lot of like at the, in the agency world, it's just the, the account manager or somebody threw a voice in there and then they just ended up using it. You know, how, how much do you see and how important do you see voice being today and, and over the next few years? Yeah, I think there's a whole, I mean, so I think incredibly important would be the starting point. And then I think there's actually a whole range of considerations in this. Um, 
you could come to it from a very business-focused lens and say, actually, how committed do you want to be with your brand? How much do you want to tie yourself to an individual voice and purely around questions of usage and rights and attachment to a specific talent versus how much do you want to identify a range of vocal qualities and ensure that it's always kind of similar in that mix versus other brands who might say, actually, part of our identity could be total diversity across this and actually sampling lots of different voices. Um, I think there's also some really interesting longer-term ethical considerations there on what are the statements you might make about your brand based on choices you make today. And I'd say that wittingly or unwittingly, that there's some real work that we as an industry can do to start asking some tougher questions early and put ourselves through the paces of thinking, um, trying to project thoughts that even if it's not intentional that we're not having it in the room right now, put ourselves through a few of these thought exercises or force the sometimes very subjective decisions we're making to get early exposure to people from outside and from different, different points of view than what we may have represented in the room. Try and vet all that early or at least pressure test it a little bit before you start rolling something out only to find, you know, a big market reaction later. Right, right. Now, and, and it's funny how that, like, some of these things when they're new, even the functional sounds, the sound your headphones make when they turn on or the, your car door, like, you know, there, there's not data-driven cultures. Everyone says they're data-driven, right? No one's going to answer that question now. There's two kind of pillars that we look at. It's like, well, do you think what you hear matters? Which you think the answer to that is going to be yes. And then are you data-driven? The answer should be yes. But it's kind of like asking, like, are you health-conscious? Right? Like, do you go to, well, yeah, I, I, I don't want to intentionally be unhealthy, but the reality is, is not everybody, you know, go, you know, vigilantly goes to the gym every morning and exercises and eats everything perfectly. Like, and, and the reality is, is marketing organizations um, certainly wouldn't dispute that audio matters, but it's that data-driven pillar that, that we find is actually this, the kind of silent killer in, in this world when there's a new and emerging technology or new emerging space, whether it's audio or anything else. And I'm sure you, you probably see this and potentially get frustrated with it every day, is that like, you know, people just generally aren't data-driven at their core, um, or they maybe, you know, the personal value versus the business, business value. Like, do you, I guess as an agency, we always find the agency-client sure. relationship really, uh, it's nice because I'm, I'm, I'm watching it from the outside. Yeah. You're like, who, who cares more about data-driven decision-making? Who is uh, trying to kind of push those results? Like, how do, I guess what's different about Vayner and what you're doing yeah. uh, that, that maybe you do with data and, and analytics that, that most agencies typically don't do? Yeah, so this is actually another one that even actually bridges well beyond my own practice to Vayner as a whole, where I would say we are very much data-focused in our decision-making, but also trying to generate more data points. And so we'll often talk about it, and I'll, I'll take this a little further. We'll try to talk about building as many possible hypotheses as, as we can uh, early, trying to eliminate or at least mediate the role of subjectivity in seeing what gets market exposure and getting more things in market and then reading signals quickly and optimizing off that. That comes back to that original structure I was talking about with having media and production and creative and strategy all sitting really hand in glove and tightly together. The goal for us, and this could be true of in these emerging audio channels, it's true certainly in video, but it's true just at a campaign and messaging level for many of our clients, we want to get a volume of content out into market and look at feedback on as many lo-fi versions of these content pieces as possible, use those as inputs to continue refining, getting toward a, a new messaging point, something that we might really want to zero in on. And then I'll say we're also constantly adding in more. So this is actually kind of antithetical to the traditional agency strategy model where we are going to sit back, 
have observations about the market, come to some really insightful points on that, come to a strategy line usually, and then on the back of that, develop, call it three to five prospective campaigns. We probably subjectively kill many of those internally. Then we go to a client, they subjectively kill some more of them. And then eventually, through our collective subjective judgment and maybe some qualitative testing along the way too, uh, we pick one. And then we go spend a bunch of money to produce a big ad and put it out of market. And then months after this whole process started and having already spent hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars, we see how it did. And we fundamentally think that today with the speed and availability of feedback from the internet and increasingly from these audio channels as well, that's no longer a necessary process. I think it did used to be necessary. And we'd actually argue it's so inefficient, it's just misguided today. So instead of making each of those subjective checks along the way, there will always be subjectivity in a process. We also, we bring all of our background and history to decision-making as well our clients, but we want to find lower lift ways to get ideas exposed. And this holds true of sounds that you're going to make all the rest of this as well and start to see market reactions. So building hypotheses, reading signals. Right. Now that's, that's a great way to describe it. And, it's, and frankly, authentic because it's, you see that inefficiency happen. It's the reality, right? And I, I also find that with agencies and clients, there's this dynamic of who's, you know, everybody's, look, there's a lot of smart people. They wouldn't be working with you if you didn't know what you were doing, right? You're a subject matter expert in whatever you're producing for the client. So that you, you want to be on the right side of, of those subjective decisions. Um, and quantitative data can be, you know, sometimes people perceive it as, uh, you know, this is, this is gospel, right? Like, this got a 75 and this got a 74, like, we're all wrong and we got to go. This is not the case, right? And if you're confident in what you're doing, um, that's just a data point. And then it's a way to kind of inform that feedback loop as it comes around. Um, and we've, we've actually seen a lot more uh, than I expected, certainly, in starting the company four years ago, a lot more pre-market uh, creative testing. It wasn't really what I was necessarily thinking of. Um, you know, the genesis of the company came from I was writing music for ads at the same time I was working as a at, at Optimus, which is an A-B testing company. Yeah. So I just got angry that somebody didn't like what I wrote for them. And I was like, well, why don't we put data behind this? And, but now we're actually seeing this little niche. It's like, you know, right before you go live, if you've got good benchmarks and norms, you get a little data, it can say like, well, we've got two or three cuts at this. Maybe one should go here, one should go there. Maybe they're all fine. But we found this one runs better in the Northeast and this one runs better in California or just little things like that. Totally. You know, there's not a silver bullet right answer with quantitative data or any data for that matter. So... Um, what are some of the things that people are doing maybe on a, you mentioned earlier that the kind of sonic branding is, is harder to figure out because it's, you can't see it. Um, what are some yeah. people when they come to you and say, I heard about voice, heard about audio, what's um, maybe just like more in the weeds now, what's like a great example you can give? Like, hey, this, we, this thing we did for this client that maybe you can talk about here. Um, <laughs> and not everybody's staring, sure. not, not that everybody's listening anyway, but no, <laughs> um, no like you could talk about. That's something somebody could grab onto is, hey, this is a great example of a client and how they used audio with us. Sure, sure. So we've got a couple. Um, one that I could talk about and name the client and another that I'm really proud of and excited for. I can't name the client, but I could name the space. Okay. Uh, the first one, actually, it's a couple years old now, but I still think it's a really nice use case, uh, was with Johnny Walker Whiskey. So this was actually the very first uh, interactive voice experience that we at Vayner ever did. It was back in 2016. And... Johnny Walker was you know, a longtime client of ours. We work with them across a lot of their marketing. And we got to know the team over there, and they had this program of whiskey mentorship. It's guided whiskey tastings, right? And I learned a couple of things about the category. 
I learned, first of all, it was an aging category, having a lot of trouble attracting younger drinkers into scotch. Things like bourbon was certainly hotter or really almost anything other than scotch. And then something that I intrinsically knew to be true, but I don't think I had ever thought about it specifically, was not knowing much about scotch. If somebody asked me one thing about what's a good scotch, I'd say single malt. It's kind of the only thing I know. And Johnny Walker's not a single malt. It's a blend. Um, And so we understood they had a couple of real challenging barriers there, and yet they had this ongoing program of guided whiskey tasting, whiskey mentorship. And once someone went through that experience, sat down with the master whiskey, you know, was there for 20, 30 minutes, got the guided tasting, explained all the different labels, they left and had this tremendous brand affinity. It had been uh, shown over years that not only did their opinion of the brand rise, certainly their lifetime value, I think it was like a two and a half to three X rise in lifetime value from folks who'd come out through that program. And there was also great likelihood that they'd refer others into the brand. And they really became advocates. You left it understanding it. It makes sense. I, I'm uh, no connoisseur, but if I do a wine tasting and I leave it, that's the only wine I'm going to order because I know one or two things to say about it. I don't sound like <laughs> right. quite as much of an idiot. Right. Um, but so we basically, we had a brief from Johnny Walker that was, how can you help us scale whiskey mentorship? We have this program, really efficacious, really capped on size. There's only a small number of these masters of whiskey. They can only do so many sessions. How do you help us scale this really powerful program? And we did not start with, let's build an Alexa skill. This is 2016. That was just barely on the radar. We looked at a bunch of different things. We actually tried a bunch of things, too. We built a Facebook Messenger experience. We did a video series. Um, but among the mix of things was an Alexa skill. And it actually became pretty apparent early on in that, that the blend of being able to scale, having, once you built the logic and the ability to deliver this to a big and growing population, the scale piece was going to be there. But what we couldn't sacrifice for this to actually work was the impact F. So a video series can scale too. But there's something different about sitting back and passively receptive versus asking questions and steering the conversation. And then in designing that experience, we had a ton of voice design learnings that have paid dividends to this day about keeping some personality in there. It could get really dry really fast. Um, Doing some sound design work along the way over the years, we've integrated a little bit more sound design to that experience. But that was one where it scaled out a program that was natural, it was interactive, it was going to be a question and answer, gave the user a lot of agency in there, and we saw really great results out of that from 2016 launch on through today where we've continued building on that Alexa experience, ported over to Google Assistant, and then since rolled out some additional Diageo portfolio-wide experiences, happy hour in the United States is kind of our role as a provider of the best recipe for the best moment all the time. Um, so that's one that we've actually continued to be building on now for three years, and it's going strong. And then the second one, with a client in the beauty space, where it's actually on the other side of where we're usually operating, or at least a lot of our time is spent as marketers. Instead of trying to influence purchase and get someone upstream to consider and buy, this is actually interactive product instructions. It's an at-home beauty treatment, and what we want is someone whose hands are all covered in goop and is doing this treatment to be able to get the information they need to have a good session right then and there. And so... It is just like it sounds. It's voice-controlled voice controlled instructions. And it's being able to ask a question. It's being able to set a timer for the right amount of time for a treatment. It's, if you really need help, being able to do a voice over IP call and call and get help in the moment. But what it really is is imagine this brand who their greatest number of complaints over the past three years to their customer service line had been around people who were in the middle of using this product, got off track somehow, and now are in this crisis moment of, oh, shit, I'm in the middle of getting a doing a treatment, and I actually can't quite find the instructions. My hands are covered in stuff. I'm in trouble. Um, We wanted to eliminate those negative cases, 
coach a bunch of better cases, better use cases, and hopefully then on the back of that positive experience, it'll be a chance to let someone order the next one, subscribe and say, if you want to do this treatment every four to six weeks, okay, why don't you sign up now at a discount and start to be able to coach toward quality experiences, first of all, and then sure, realize out of that lifetime value, there could certainly be room for expansion out to other products in the portfolio. There's a lot of ways you can go once you actually start with that providing value. I think that one is really exciting to me. So it's not in market yet. It's going to be launching hopefully the next couple of months, but it's one we're really enthusiastic about because I haven't seen very many experiences that are meant for where I think the virtual assistants and voice really work well, which is very tailored to a specific use case, really context-specific, and then also um, about a really discrete value exchange. Great. No, those are two fantastic examples. I'm a single malt aficionado, so I uh, actually took the blends that are in Johnny Walker and drink each single malt like, you know, like that is kind of in there. So all right, well, I think we're up on time. So where can people find you if they want to, you know, I'm a brand looking to do a sound experience. Where, where's your shameless plug? of? of sure, where, sure. Where... So for myself, LinkedIn, Patrick Givens, I'm very accessible there. Or a simple email, pgivens at vaynermedia.com. Or you can always just go to vaynermedia.com. We've got a nice little referrals link there. But yeah, reach out directly. We'd love to talk. Awesome. And I'm Scott Simonelli from Veritonic. You can find us at veritonic.com. And, uh, you know, a great time to check out our audio logo index, which is uh, something we do annually where we score every audio logo. Hopefully that you see who has a great sonic branding strategy and maybe some of the ones that aren't so great. We do one in the U.S. and in Europe. Um, So that's exciting uh, to check out every year. And again, that's veritonic.com. And that's the audio logo index. Well, thanks for having us, Jack, and really appreciate it. And thank you, Patrick. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. You've been listening to a podcast production of AW360, the year-round content destination from Advertising Week. Visit AW360 at 360.advertisingweek.com and be sure to check out the other AW360 podcasts now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Producers on this podcast are Richard Larson and Jack Hirschman with music provided by Audio Network. For more information on Advertising Week, the world's largest gathering of advertising, marketing, and technology leaders, now in five markets around the globe, visit www.advertisingweek.com. Mm-hmm.